Hello, this is Celeste. It's nice to meet you if we haven't met already. This is my podcast called Literature Lullabies. I chose this name primarily because when I was told that I had to do a podcast, I was like, well, when I make it, I want to be comfortable at least. And to be honest, I might fall asleep, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Anyways, throughout the entirety of this podcast, I'm going to review many stories and articles, and I will give you my honest opinion of them. I will try to talk about their legacy and their meaning, and I also try to dumb it down for anybody that doesn't understand because we all know that American literature is very hard to understand. Anyways, two guests are with us today. Their names are Scoos and Pokey. I know, not ordinary names. They are my dogs. Pokey is a border collie and Scoos is a yellow lab. However, you probably won't hear from them throughout this podcast because, you know, they can't talk. Anyways, let's get started with Rip Van Winkle. To begin, we're going to start with the story about Rip Van Winkle. When I was first told that I had to read this story, I was like, Rip Van Winkle, who in the heck, what in the heck? is Rip Van Winkle. I didn't know if it was a person, a place. I had no idea. Typically when I read stories, it's not just a name of a character, but in this case, that's what it is. It's also followed by a posthumous writing of Diedrich Knickerbocker. That's up for your interpretation. I may have said that wrong, but in my opinion, I'm like, who? What is this? I had no idea. I was very confused to say the least. However, After I thought about it for a while, I was like, you know, that's not a very in-depth title and doesn't allude to much. I was very, very interested and yet at the same time I wasn't. I mean, when you're handed this giant story and it's titled Rip Van Winkle, (laughs) how interesting can it really get? Anyways, I came to learn that Rip Van Winkle was a character and was the main character and almost only character for the whole story. However, for a title, it's not very in-depth. I'm just, I'm still taken aback by the simplicity of the title, and I wonder what was going through the author's head when he just chose a simple title. Like, was he at a writer's block? Was he like, oh man, can't figure out the title. We'll just slap his name on it and call it good. I don't know. I'm not the one who wrote it. Anyways, the author of this story, Irving, and... When I did further research, I came to the realization that this Diedrich Knickerbocker, again, could be saying it wrong, was just a persona. It wasn't actually somebody that contributed to the article, story. It was not even a real person. It was just a persona created by Washington. And I did some research about this. I was like, why would he create a persona? Granted, I didn't go too in-depth in the research, but... It was just like he felt like he kind of needed to hide behind his work. Maybe because it was a new way of making a lifestyle for himself. You know, in this time it wasn't common to sit and write and make money off of it. So maybe he felt kind of different didn't want to show that off to many people. Or if it was just a way that he could write a story without having to completely give his name. Um, Washington Irving was a was a very, very smart man. He created 
many details about this persona, one of them being that Diedrich was a 25-year-old scholar, and he was made, basically, or created, or whatever you want to call it, born to tell stories about Dutch people. And I'm assuming Dutch people, considering this was maybe Washington's descent, or maybe just something he noticed about Dutch people, maybe they were as ordinary as other people, I'm not quite sure. However, besides the persona, Washington Irving was considered the father of American literature because he was the first to make a living through his work. He was actually the first to be recognized by the English literary establishment. And I don't know about you, but that seems like a pretty, pretty good accomplishment because, I mean, to be the first man to be recognized and be the father of literature, okay, you gotta be kind of good at writing. Anyways... We'll go to a summary of the article and we'll decide what we think about that. So when we go to summarize Rip Van Winkle, I'm just going to try and shorten it down because I think that there's a long summary that comes with this story, but essentially the author introduces Rip as a man who instead of taking care of things that he should be taking care of, he decides to help others and go off on his own and kind of dwindle through the days and enjoys his leisure time and has a very nagging wife who just despises this characteristic about Rip. And eventually one day Rip just has enough of his wife and says, you know what, come on dog, let's go to the mountain and let's let's find some peace. And when they go to this mountain, they're encountered by these men and Rip hears their voices and follows them up the mountain and comes into this situation where he finds himself being provoked into trying an alcohol and having fun and letting loose and just having a momentary period of, I I don't want to say insanity, but just complete and utter bliss. And eventually Rip gives in and a couple moments later... Rip wakes up at the bottom of this mountain and notices, dude, my dog is gone, what the heck? And he notices that his body is just creaking, literally creaking, and he's like, what? And turns out that 20 years has passed, and he just starts to wander and get inside his brain, and he's like, where are my kids? Where's where's my dog? And he just starts to fall within himself and just starts spiraling. Another really fun idea that I found and talked about with some classmates was the fact that his wife, Rip's wife, he didn't even ask about her when he woke up. He was like, sayonara, don't really care what happened to her. I'm assuming she's dead and I hope she is. Anyways, we found that really interesting and then we started to talk about the fact that earlier in the article there was so much hatred placed on Rip's wife just because she was nagging him and asking him to do things. And when you think about this and how the story took place in 1819, you almost wonder that if Rip's wife was meant to represent Britain, and you start to think that Rip kind of avoids his wife and he doesn't want to spend time with her, and the nagging and the constant controlling represents the controlling hands of Britain, because many Americans around the 1800s were trying to 
get control of their own country, and they didn't want to be controlled by Britain because they felt that Britain was constantly using them for their fortunes and nagging them about things they had to do, and this is almost identical to Rip's wife, and it's, it seems almost like another mockery made by Irving, and it's his tiny little way of saying that Britain was controlling, and he agrees with many, many people that Britain was just something that needed to be out of the picture. They were just an obstacle for America to face, and apparently, just like Rip, they they were happy when they weren't around Britain anymore, and they were happy when Britain wasn't in the picture. This is very, very, very interesting because Rip not wanting to be away from his wife, or Rip wanting to be away from his wife, is like America wanting freedom and. The, the lack of Rip caring about societal norms is like America becoming a new country. They had, to, they had to create a new foundation. Instead of caring about all these things that Britain wanted them to care about, they wanted to start caring about things that they thought were important and start creating more fair terms for their life. And I thought this was a very, very long, extended, and good metaphor, honestly. The last little bit of this podcast I'd like to just dedicate to a review and talking about some quotes that I found that I really liked. Um, one quote I found, it said, A tart temper never mellows with age, and a sharp tongue is the only edge tool that grows keener by constant use. And I just thought this was really a very good worded article. Um... This was kind of referring to his marriage. It says, Times grew worse and worse with Rip Van Winkle as weirs of matrimony rolled on. It's almost like all this anger was building inside of Rip and he was just getting more and more tired of it. And his sharp tongue was just... I don't know if the sharp tongue was his wife constantly nagging him and the edge tool was him trying to keep back from just not letting her get to him. But I just thought it was a fascinating quote. And I also think that because it says, as years of matrimony rolled on, a tart temper never mellows with age, it's again almost alluding to the fact that as Britain controlled America, America just continued to grow more and more angry. I mean, they had all this temper and it was just rising and rising as they had to keep biting their tongue. And eventually, it'll snap. Another really interesting quote that I found was introduced earlier in this podcast, and it says Rip Van Winkle, however, was one of the happy mortals of foolish, well-oiled dispositions who take the world easy, eat white or brown, whichever can be got with less trouble or thought, and would rather starve on a penny than work for a pound. Now this quote I thought really, really symbolized romanticism very well because it's the societal norm, this concept of going against these normal functions of time and working for yourself. Rip would rather go help somebody and be off on his own and be doing what makes him happy rather than just do things that was common of the man at the time. And I think that this is a very good distinction between the identity and society. I mean, identity, you have to find yourself. You have to be willing to set aside time to really appreciate who you are. And I think that this was what Rip or Irving was trying to 
demonstrate by him being a foolish mortal of well-oiled dispositions, constantly trying to do good things, even though if it seemed like they weren't the proper things to do. And I think that this is a very, very good moral of romanticism. And I honestly think that it's a good moral to follow throughout my life. I would rather spend time trying to find myself than and like being happy and working for what I want rather than doing things what people tell me to do, aka Britain or societal norms or my wife as in Rip's case. I don't know. It just seems like a better, I would rather live my life doing what I want to do and trying to find who I am rather than try and find who I think people want. And I think that's something that everybody strives for. Um, my honest review of this story is that Reading it once over was not enough, um, <laughs> did not understand much of it. I thought that it was very boring, but as I talked over it with the classmates and I started to analyze a lot of the themes and the quotes and what Rip was as a character, I just, I really fell in love with it because I don't want to say that I would have been a big romanticist buff, but... I really love the values of romanticism, and I think that Irving trying to portray some of those values as well as introducing the idea that Britain shouldn't be in the picture of America anymore was a very smart way of writing an article. I thought that it was a very subtle way of getting his point across without being controversial. And of course, he couldn't be controversial in the 1800s. I mean, he could, but <clears throat> then he could die. I mean, uh, I just thought overall the first time it was very hard to understand, but I think after you, you slow down and you read it and you try to understand and you try to understand some of the symbolism, I think it becomes clear. And I would honestly rate this story probably at least an 8 out of 10. I thought it was good, but I still have some questions, like who were those people in the mountain? I, I mean, was that a real experience? Did he just pass out? I don't know. There's still some things that don't quite make sense. Maybe that's something that I haven't quite analyzed yet and don't understand, but I just thought it was an interesting story, and I would recommend it to people, but I don't understand what the exact legacy would be of the story. I mean, it's a good read. It's a good way to understand what was happening in the 1800s, but I don't... And I mean, there are elements that I can certainly take away from it, like finding myself and not working for what other people think I should, but beyond that... I don't understand or couldn't understand why this would be an article that somebody has to read. I don't think you're missing out if you don't read it, but I think it's a good way to start our podcast and I'm looking forward to going over another one with you. Now, sleep tight and good night.